Hello, welcome to more of the Richard Herring podcast feed, powered by Acast Plus. Uh, hope you're enjoying all these tour podcasts. There is still a chance to catch some, though they're selling out very fast. Uh, we, in fact, Sheffield on the 7th of March sold out. Uh, but check the theatre website for returns. Uh, Monday, the 11th of March, Adam Buxton and Lemsis A in the Leicester Square Theatre sold out. But you can get tickets for the Warwick Arts Centre, where I'm talking to Lindsay Santoro and the Exploding Heads internet phenomenon, and at Bedford on the 21st, where I'm talking to Olaf Falafel and my old friend Al Murray. I'm at Glasgow uh, on the 27th of March, sold out, Susie McCabe and Fred McCauley, and then at Hull on the 28th of March with Tommy Cannon and Bob Morton. Uh, there are three tickets left as I talk to you so get there quick if you want to come and see that also this richardherring.com slash come and see me on tour doing stand-up for the first time in six years richardherring.com slash ballback coming lots of places around England and some places in Scotland uh, and that's about it for the moment all right sit back relax and enjoy rahalastapa When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dance House Theatre Manchester. Please welcome a man who has just eaten his first Indian Scotch egg. Is Richard Herring! <laughs> Thank you very much! Hello, Manchester! Oh, yeah! It's great to be back. Great to be here. How lovely. Thanks so much. Loads of people here. It's incredible. It's very difficult to let people come to London. They're cunts, aren't they, in London? Hey? Hey? Yeah! I don't even live there anymore, so I can say that. So, um, welcome to the show. Uh, it's called uh, Rich Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast, except at the Dance House Theatre in Manchester. But I was, um, I was playing a beer pong tourney at uh, Crazy Pedro's Pizza Parlour. And that's talking to crazy Pedro. <laughs> he calls it Rahalastaba Etdumtama. Uh, so, um, yeah, that's some cool kids in. Some cool kids in. Uh, good. Uh, so, yeah, I haven't really thought of anything. I, I, I was on the way up uh, on the uh, on the train, and um, yeah, there was. A, I've never seen this before: Scotch eggs, but made with an onion barge around the outside. Is that is that a Manchester delicacy, or is that a London? Del- I've never seen the like. To see, it was I was horrible. It was horrible, but not as bad as a Scotch egg. A Scotch egg. Um, and uh, you might, some of you may know this. I've been, I, I, I live in the countryside now, and I've got a new hobby, 
which I didn't mention in the first podcast that's just gone out, which is I, I'd walk my dog around a field every day. It's a very stony field. And uh, I've been trying to clear... It takes 25 minutes to walk around the field. It's a massive field, and it's every square metre probably has a 1,000 stones on it, and they also go deep down into the earth. I've been trying to clear every stone off the field. I figure I'm going to walk around there 700 times a year for the remainder of my life, which hopefully be 30 or 40 years. <laughs> I could, uh, you know, I could, I could clear it. That's my, and, and then I'm trying to throw all the stones to the side and make a, a wall around the edge of the field that can be seen from space. That is, that's my... At least my life will have some meaning. That's what I'm trying to do. But I'm quite embarrassed about it, so I've been trying to hide this fact from the villagers. Uh, but today a man caught me doing it. He wasn't a farmer, luckily. He was a man who said, Oi, hello. That's when I came up, because I was right in the middle of the field. I'd gone to get some big ones from the... <laughs> and I came back. He said, you get you collecting stones? He said, yeah. I said, yeah, yeah. He said, yeah, I, I used to do that. He was a very old, different man. <laughs> I said, I did that. There's, there's a, there was a cairn there already. And he said, I created that. So I, kind of weird that I met this future version of myself. His cairn was rubbish. I had about 30 stones in it. I've added about 500 stones to that already in just through two weeks. It's going to hate me. It's like nearly a wall in that corner of the field. It's, it's, it's going pretty well. So, um... Oh, and uh, my new emergency questions book is out. This is um, in the proper shops this week. So, uh, and I will be selling it after the show in the foyer if uh, I can take cards or cash. If you pay by card, you get one P off. Because uh, <laughs> uh, I haven't got any one P pieces. Um, so this, if you've already got the emergency questions books we put out ourselves, these have got some of the classic questions in there, but there's 800 questions that have never been in book form before, and there's 1,001 altogether. Questions like, uh, <laughs> I haven't even read what this is going to be. I, I, I can't remember. It's 728 if you're following at home. If the technology became available, would you consider having your rib cage and the skin on your torso replaced with a perspex mould of the exact same dimension so you could see into your body? <laughs> would you do it if the technology became available? Come on, mate, that would be exciting, wouldn't it? You've already found out what your skull looks like, haven't you? That's, uh, that's, it could, could be exciting for you. So I hope you'll buy these because I bought a big suitcase. They're hardback and they're really heavy and I bought a suitcase of them up on the train. I don't want to go back with any of them, so please. There's not enough for one each, so um, I'll be asking some of those questions uh, to my guests. And so, look, this was incredible. This show sold out before we'd even announced any guests, so we realised we could get any old rubbish on. So it's... We're going to get someone famous on. We Fuck it. Um, my guest this week... Yeah, wait, because don't tell them that... Is probably best known for playing the character Alfonso Decker in Holby City. That's the when you say Holby City, that's the that's the character in it that you that most of us mainly remember. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Toby Haddock. He's from Manchester. Well, he isn't, but he lives here. Welcome. Come in. Pick up a mic if you like. I find it easier to take it off the stand. How are you doing? I thought you were going to say episode 3,125 <laughs> of Holby City. Because <laughs> it was an episode of one Holby episode. City. One, what did Alfonso Decker, for well, people was, who don't remember, <laughs> yeah, well, Alfonso It was Decker. a Christmas episode. Was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't do it in May. Uh, he was, a, he was a, a, a science fiction fan who oh. was in hospital. So it was a real stretch. He was a... 
He was a rather... He was, sa- what, he was an a rather ill science fiction uh, fan. That, can't, <laughs> that couldn't happen. Yeah, uh, yeah. I really had to work hard at that audition, yes. yes. Uh, in fact, uh, the reason I got the part, I think, was because at the audition, um, one of the, the lines was... Uh, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to. I want to watch the, uh, the 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 Matrix. He's in hospital. He wants to watch the Matrix on DVD. Yeah. And he says, "I'm a real fan. I've watched it 18 times." And I said, "I think the person that written this doesn't understand quite how many times science fiction fans watch them that they like." <laughs> so, so I said it would be better if they said 118 times, yeah. and that they did in the final program. Wow. So, uh, I suspect they had to they had to give me the part, otherwise, <laughs> they I'd have got a writer's credit. <laughs> Uh, I've got uh, my new uh, book. Is I don't know if you like uh, Star Wars. Yeah, you know the Star Wars. They, w- they should put Doctor Who in uh, in Star Wars, shouldn't that be good? How we get some with old, you know, that bloke, the bloke with the helmet on. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of really like Star Wars. It's not much. Yeah. I bought uh, that because I don't like it. So I've got I bought the character that's evil, so that that shows right, to George show Lu- that you hate you yeah. hate it. So yeah. George Lucas, back, take take that, George Lucas. <laughs> Fifteen quid that cost me to prove that. <laughs> so you are, I mean, you you are very well known for uh, your association with uh, Doctor Who, which you know many people think is a, a nerd slash child's program, <laughs> but they are those people are very very wrong. It's very cool now, isn't it? Well, it's cool now. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've lost count of the amount of comedians who are who are now on television saying how much they love Doctor Who because <laughs> I've sp- I've been in dressing rooms with most of them and I was I was never I never held back but uh, I've I, I I mean I I remember when um, when uh, Peter Capaldi was announced I think and Shappy Corsandi was there going oh yes he I, I think he'll be a marvelous Doctor because I was going you you've never discussed Creature from the Pit with me in the ninety nine <laughs> Club Leicester Square green room uh, uh, so. Um, so yes, it's 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 it was the love that dared not speak its name. Yeah. But now n- nobody will shut up about it. <laughs> uh, and you were there in the early I was, days. Yes. Well, I mean, you weren't there in the early days, presumably. I don't know how, if you maybe a time lord yourself, but well, I well, was. Wait, I did, wait, wait, I did how... play racist barman in in the film about the the early days of Doctor Who. Oh, that's Who. true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I'm 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 a racist. It, it was that was easy as well. It was, <laughs> it was they, they just who do we know that's convincingly racist? Toby yeah, he'll do. He uh, said, I think this racist would actually use this word. Uh, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hate 118 different nationalities. <laughs> Um, what? Who was your first doctor that you when you were a ch- kid that you got? Tom, ba- Tom Baker. It was Tom I'm, Baker. I'm, yeah, I know time hasn't been kind, but I'm 44. Well, I didn't. I didn't uh, you know, I he, thought it might be later than that. Uh, oh, I remember. Less. I remember Pertwee. Yeah, and I, was, I vaguely feel like I remember. Um, oh, what's his Patrick face? Trouton. Patrick Trouton. I was born between um, episodes three and four of the Time Warrior, which is John Pertwee's last season. So I only remember. <laughs> yeah, of course I know that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and uh, and uh, so my my earliest, yeah Tom Baker is my is my yeah, he's the best is. one right he's fantastic yeah yeah yeah. I, yeah I think your I think your childhood doctor is your favorite yeah one. yeah and I, well, I was watching a bit about um, maybe you tweeted about something or someone I was watching John Pertwee on GMTV today did you see that clip no so there was John Pertwee and Barbara Windsor discussing they were really discussing uh, Wurzel Gummidge but obviously I think a Doctor Who might have come up but like them in sort of her with very massive perm. And him wearing this sort of almost safari suit with a massive, uh, I mean, yeah, his, well, hair, a massive his, his hair did get <laughs> quite <laughs> luscious. Yeah, he, he was, was basically just doing Wurzel Gummidge impressions all the way through. But it was gr- the, it was great. If you can do it, do yeah. it. <laughs> well, he can you know, do it. Yeah, he was Wurzel Gummidge. Yeah, <laughs> it's, not, it's not even an impression. <laughs> yes. <for him. laughs> I, 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 
I'll t- can I tell? I I I do, I do. I've done a podcast where I've interviewed lots of people who've passed through Doctor Who as opposed to maybe. And one of them was Geoffrey Bailden, who was the Crow Man yes. from Wurzel Gummidge. Yes. And it was towards the end of his life. And, and I I'd, I'd, I'd sort of got the contact in a fairly circuitous route. And anyway, this chap who's Geoffrey Bailden's carer called me and said, "Now Geoffrey said he'll talk to you, but you have to explain what it is you want." And basically, I do this podcast about Doctor Who. It's not really about Doctor Who. It's about their whole crib. So, but but the jumping off point is Doctor Who. So so he said, and Geoffrey's a bit deaf, so he's going to take pick up the other phone. So you have to speak up. So hello, and I went, yes, Mr. Bailden, don't shout. So I, <laughs> so, so I said, um, well look, I, I don't know if Craig's told you, but um, I, I want to do this uh, uh, this interview with you, and uh, you probably don't remember much about being a Doctor Who, and we'll just start with Doctor Who, but then I want to talk about, you know, anything that you want to talk about. And he went, cock. <laughs> <laughs> and I just got out of the shower, so I didn't have any clothes on, and I felt very vulnerable. Um, and, uh, and I said, if you want, and he said, you sound lovely, come on Thursday. <laughs> So I did. Was he was cat? Was he cat weasel? He was he was cat weasel as well. Yes, yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was a tricky interview because, as I say, it was towards the end of his life. But he did have moments of uh, luster at one point. I cut it out at one point because we were talking. He said, "Yes, I remember doing the theatre," and and then um, then he just went, "Are you hairy?" (laughs) (laughs) And Craig had to go. No, Jeffrey, he's not one of us. Oh, never mind. got to keep trying that's that's why i've got to keep trying well i'm not sure what he would have done if i'd said yes (laughs) imagine being that desperate though toby that (laughs) they want to see your penis Uh, well do do, do you know what it's a dilemma though because i my my childhood was largely um uh, sort of a a lonely one where i dreamed of being you know in the company of actors and you know all all i've wanted to do is have an anecdote about working with richard todd in dial m for murder in the isle of Wight, (laughs) and um and so part of me would have gone well if if jeffrey belden has made a pass at me and in a way it's my childhood self would be terribly flattered Uh, (laughs) give him a little go come on all the pleasure he's given you just give him a little fiddle Show him your cat weasel. That's all you have to do. Well, I remember being jealous of my uncle because he was once in a lift with Tom Baker. So <laughs> yes. a compromising position with Jeffrey <laughs> Belden trumps that, I think. Well, Tom Baker, we had Tom Baker on our first radio show, Lionel Nimrod's Inexplicable World. Yeah. He played Lionel Nimrod, this sort of He's... Arthur C. Clarke figure. But we didn't really meet him until the very last episode uh, when, he, when Lionel Nimrod was going to sort of deus ex machina and save the day and came into the studio. Um, uh, he was he was quite a character. He's he's uttered my favourite sentence ever. I was yeah. I was doing a thing with him, and he was talking. They were talking about an actor that's uh, now n- n- no longer with us. They were saying how this actor. They said um, he. Uh, this other actor said to Tom, he said, oh, I worked with him. And he said, he, we, we, we were staying up late in a hotel. And, and he said, and I said, I'm going to bed. And this actor said, no, no, I'm going to stay. I'm going to I'm going to sleep with that uh, that uh, that waitress. And he said, and, and you know, she was a bit. You know, she was a bit. She, she was not the best specimen. These, and uh, and, uh, and actors could talk like that in those days. I know, they, they weren't. And, um, and Tom said, oh, that's how he liked him. The uglier, the better. He didn't have time to woo. <laughs> <laughs> I may remember him just saying, Nicholas Parsons, what a cunt. Uh, so in the green room of the Paris studios. <laughs> And our rather austere and quite serious and feminist producer, Sarah Smith, 
kind of walked into the room and he had, look at her walking in here with her tits sticking out. <laughs> and um, she just had to pretend she hadn't heard. It was the different, it was different times. Um, not the worst thing that happened uh, in show business. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty bad. Um, it's, it's, it's great the, the, that you're getting to... So you, you're finding all these actors and getting their stories and really at the end of their lives for a lot of them because obviously a lot of them are from working in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, I've, I've, well, I, I mean, that's not how I plug it to them. No. You know? I don't go, <laughs> it's your last what do you do make my podcast <laughs> very soon? Uh, yeah, I was. I basically, I was. I was set a challenge. It was. I was only supposed to do it in 2013 because um, that was Doctor Who's 50th birthday. And a guy on Twitter said, "I, I would like because I've made a habit of. I found what happened to a couple of writers that nobody knew about and stuff like that. Because, um, uh, well, you know, when you don't learn to disco dance, you have to learn to do something. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, and so I did. And and that goes. And Doctor Who's 50th anniversary also coincided with the a year that I was getting divorced and um i needed something to stop me from crying so uh so i thought well i need to meet the man who played insurgent in episode one of the dalek invasion of earth uh, uh and uh, and get to the bottom of why he doesn't receive an on-screen credit even though it's a speaking part it's the sort of thing that keeps me awake at night which is probably why i was getting divorced uh, and um and so I did that for a year, and I had all sorts. So I had I had very obscure people, like yeah. you know, a, a boom operator from the Space Pirates, and all, then also people like Zoe Wanamaker and Kevin McNally, because I didn't have any resources apart from people sort of saying to me, "Oh, I, I think my mum knows so and so," and and did it like that. I had no, no backing at all. I just did it, um, and and the way I lured them was to say, "We don't get any money, but if you name a charity, right. so so it's it's a free podcast, but um, the, the the people hopefully pay to a charity nominated by the person." So that's how I did it, and I did it for that year. And the and the, the 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 task was to get a first-hand anecdote from every single Doctor Who story, but not from you know Fraser Hines or Louise Jameson or somebody <coughs> that had been in loads, yeah. but from the, the man who played yeah. Insurgent in episode one of the Dalek Invasion of Earth. And, um, and I did that, and I sort of so enjoyed doing it. And, and I, sort of, I missed Linda Bellingham because she got poorly that year. And then she got back in touch and said, oh, is it too late? And I thought, well, it doesn't have to be. And so I then just carried it on, and yeah. I've carried it on. I've had a bit of a break this year, but I'm just putting, I'm putting together the last season now just to get them all out of the way because I've done 250. Right. I don't want to die. <laughs> Well, this could be your one. For yes. I'll, do, I'll do your one. Yeah, this is just in case you go for yeah. the future. What's the closest to someone dying that you've interviewed them? <laughs> well, I mean, I make I tend to make sure I've got an alibi. Um, <laughs> I I did actually have somebody. I there was an actor that I thought um, I'd never get an interview with because I knew he was quite poorly. But actually, the man who played Insurgent in episode one of the Dalek Invasion of Earth. <laughs> was in the same um, sort of actor's retirement home as him. It wasn't an actor's retirement home, but there were quite a few actors there. And I said, I said oh, it's, it's Christopher Burgess there. And he said, oh, yes, I go and visit Christopher in the, in the ward. He's, you know. um, so I said, well, I didn't suppose you could ask him if he'd do it. And to my surprise, he said, yes. But it was, and it was the summer holidays, and I was with my kids. And I said, oh, brilliant, I'll get back in touch in a couple of weeks. And in that couple of weeks, he, yeah, he died. Was, you so can't I, give him a couple of weeks. To I, know, I know, I know. That, that's when I learnt. <laughs> Just say yes immediately and, I'm coming and, round. and say, I'm to, coming round. say to my children, I'm afraid the summer holidays are off. Uh, because the man who played Professor Phillips in Terror of the Autons needs to speak to me. But it was seriously, though, I mean, this sounds like a little bit... But you, you, you're ending up writing a lot of... You write obit- obituaries for a lot of these actors in The, in the, in the Guardian. Which, and they're really lovely. Because you're such a fan, I think, of these people, you get these really 
amazing obituaries, I think. Well, no, I mean, none, of, yeah, none, of, so, none of these things are things I'm supposed to... These are all sort of... Everything I've done has largely been by accident, so I don't consider myself an obituarist, but yeah. when um, the man who founded the BBC Visual Effects Department died, I rang up The Guardian and said, are you going to do an obituary for him? And they went, who is he? And I said, and they went, oh, do you want to do it? And I went, oh, all right. And that was about 15 years ago, and now they sort of ask me to do various... But basically, if you were on television in the 1970s, <laughs> particularly in a silver hat... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the chances are I'll be... Because you have to sort of pitch people as well. You have to sort of yeah. say, you know... Because they can't do obituaries for everybody. So you have to sort of go in and say the things that you think that Guardian readers might like yes. about that person. Well, and sometimes you're the, the, the lady from um, Space 1999 who died recently. Yes, yeah, Senior Merton. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't know she died until I saw your obituary. For well, like, I, I am a bit of a harbinger of doom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I, I, I'll tell you what, I used to like it. I've tried to do stand up about it, and it's not what I used to. I remember when they were repeated. Um, uh, it ain't our fop mum once in the afternoon. And at the end, there was a little ca- a picture of um, whatever it's called, Pukawala Ramani or whatever, and it said, the actor Dino Shafiq sadly died in hospital yesterday afternoon. And I went, oh. And, and that sort of stuck with me. And so um, uh, I, 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 now my Twitter feed and my... Fa- I don't put jokes much or, uh, or, or, or on Twitter or Facebook anymore because, frankly, I get into arguments with people. <laughs> but but if, if somebody from the Anedin line dies, <laughs> I'm there. Uh, and, uh, and there's a comedian called Sally Ann Hayward who rang our mutual friend Sarah Minikin and said, yes. it's totally all right because he keeps putting up that people have died. <laughs> and, and, and Sarah went, well, you know he sort of writes obituaries for accidents. She said, oh, thank God. I had no idea. I just thought he was in a really bad place. <laughs> oh, oh, no, another mutide, mutoid's gone to the great, <laughs> the great harem in the sky. And the, the Jacqueline Pierce one you did, who was Serverland. Serverland in Blake in 7. Blake 7 was, yeah. was awesome. And she sounds like an amazing... Yeah, I did, I did actually work with her. I did a big finish with her, but I don't think she noticed. Right. So she, she sort of floated in and floated out again. But she was, she was a fascinating woman. Is there yeah. stuff... For her, for example, that you c- couldn't get into 600 words, there must have been some stories about her. I mean, I heard, like... Um, well, yes, and in fact, they, I, they, the, the, I actually had a little... I didn't have a spat, but I had a, a little uh, disagreement with The Guardian because I had put... Because she quite right... Because she played this sort of um, space dominatrix um, um, uh, with sort of short hair and she's taking over the universe in a ball gown, basically, but she was very sensual and she was very... And she and she would do interviews where she'd say, and it was marvellous because I now get letters from 40-year-old men saying the first time they masturbated, they were thinking about me. Uh, and I thought, that's a great thing. And she obviously, and she was overjoyed by this. <laughs> this this wasn't something she was shy about. You know, she, so I put in the obituary something like, you know, uh, and, and she was delighted when she got letters from grown men saying that she was the cause of their sexual awakening. And they changed it to something like, first something really anodyne and right. i went no it was sex it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't you know awareness of hormones it, and, and they went yeah well we just thought we would we needed to tone it down a little yeah, bit you can't mention people wanking in no, no, no it's the wrong they did they did give me something i think they let me have presumably some of those men are now wanking over <laughs> yes, this exactly. <laughs> just there's one last chance get down the, <laughs> she hasn't been buried yet I think they let me have a word that they'd cut out somewhere else. I'd put sensual or voluptuous or something yeah. to suggest that she played the character with yeah. a bit of sexuality, and they'd cut that out as well. Right. And they said, well, we'll put that back in so long as we can keep the, the teenage stirrings as, sort of as, <laughs> as asexual as possible. She was amazing. 
She was she, great. She was amazing. Her and um, this carry-on screaming woman whose name... Fenella Fielding. Fenella Fielding, also recently. Those t- two very sexy, yeah. non-traditionally sexy women, but very sexy older women, really. Oh, yeah. Fenella Fielding was Fenella amazing. Fielding. And she was about 40 or 50 when she did carry-on screaming. Yeah, 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 God, yeah. Gorgeous. And, yeah. No wonder I'm such a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> being brought up on this stuff. It's a good job you're here. Who knows what would have happened? <laughs> just, would have just been one of those conversations that one thing just, led I'm to another. Knock one out. <laughs> Come on. If you do it for Jeffrey Belden, you can do it for me. Come on. <laughs> now, I, my friend David Darlington, who's a fan of both Doctor Who and uh, Fist of Fun. He's a lovely fellow. Uh, Hello, Davey. And, uh, and works in the media now. Um, told me on Facebook that I can name any actor from original Doctor Who, which I presume means pre-Paul McGann. Yeah. And I'd... you can tell me what episode of yeah, Doctor can, Who they appear. Can, can we clarify? This isn't something I have claimed as a boast. This is, this is something I mentioned in my one-man show yeah. um, as a sign that I, was, that, that I wasn't jumping on the Doctor Who bandwagon. Okay. Because, uh, and, and also as, as a sign of the extent of my depravity. Because sometimes people go, oh, I'm a massive Doctor Who fan. And you go, what's your favourite story? And they go, oh, the one with those robots. And you go, you're not a Doctor Who fan. <laughs> you're a person with a television. Um, uh, uh, so, so, I, so I don't go around going... Oh, oh, hello. What's a nice guy? Yeah, do you know I can name every actor that's ever been in Doctor Do you know? So, but yes, well, I'm going to give you some if I can read my own terrible writing, so forgive me if I uh, get their names wrong. Terence Demarney. Terence Demarney. He played uh, the church warden in episode one of The Smugglers. Uh, he's only in episode one. <laughs> he, and he actually met his end by falling in front of a tube train as a few short years later, bless oh him, Terence goodness. Demarney. He was the actor of the brother Derek Demarney, yes. Okay. I mean, this is probably easy. <laughs> We can't guarantee this is going to be entertaining. I thought that was... That is it, correct. But it will be accurate. I do, well, I just, wrote, I just wrote down the smugglers. I didn't know you could do all the, the names as well. Hugh Bennett, who played... Uh, oh, Shannon Hugh Bennett was, yes, was, was a, a fish creature, an Iridian called Rainy, and in episode one of... You're choosing people only in one episode, let yeah, alone one yeah. story. Episode, oh, episode two of The Chase, yes. Oh, I've got Death of Time. Yeah, de- the episode two of The Chase is called The Death of Time. <laughs> oh, I can... Oh, hold on. I can do this as well. In, in, I can do this. <laughs> I can do what In you... the William Hartnell era, <laughs> yeah. up until um, episode one of The Savages, each episode had an individual title. Okay. Uh, which has caused all sorts of controversy when it comes to naming the stories, as you can imagine. The arguments we have. <laughs> we'll do a few more. Esther Freud? I don't know if she's... Oh, yeah, she's David Morris's wife, and she is of the Freud clan, yeah, she, and she, yeah, was, she, she was, was in Attack of the Cy- She was, again, only in one episode of yeah. Attack of the Cybermen. These are all one episode, because yeah. I, thought, I thought that'd be... An episode... Uh, Americans call whole stories episodes, and that's, that makes me hate them. Um, uh, <laughs> what's your favourite episode, The Seeds of Doom? That's six episodes. That's a story. An episode, it doesn't matter. Uh, Kenneth Kendall, it, I've it got some... Does. Kenneth Kendall played himself. Some, he did. He was, a news, he was Kenneth Kendall, the newsreader, in, yeah. uh, the, in the War Machines. Ep- episode four. Correct. <laughs> he sadly... Ken, Ken, Kenneth Kendall has sadly died. That's uh, a, that's a back, well done for getting that back reference. The few people who got that. Um, I just like the name of this guy, so I've got, I wanted to get down to this far, because far, at the time, I bet this wasn't a problem, but now it probably... He has, well, if he's still with us. Vic... Tablian. Vic Tablian. He is, <laughs> he is still like with He was only in one. He was in episode one of Pyramids of Mars. He he's also, I think he's one of the guys from, he's, I think he's in uh, Mind Your Language. Oh, he, is he? Basically, if you needed somebody from somewhere a bit foreign, yeah. it didn't quite matter where, 
uh, so long as he hadn't shaved and possibly had a shop. Uh, Vic Tablian was your man. I mean, you can't call him Tablian now. That's, it looks like that's a terrible comedy character. The he's, Vic Taliban. I'm uh, the crazy. Well, yes, he's a bit... Well, he's... And he's... Um, I perhaps can't say he is still around because okay. um, a, a, a friend of mine, some friends of mine, run these sort of signing dues, yes. and um, and they were trying to get Vic Tablian, and 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 I think he perhaps thought he, well, perhaps I shouldn't say this, but uh, it was more difficult to get him than they'd anticipated <laughs> that it might be. Okay, because after all, he's Vic Tablian. <laughs> Um, just because I love this guy, Matthew Corbett, who was uh, City's... Yeah, he's in episode five of The Demons, uh, and it, it, was, it was quite a late booking because um, they realised there were a couple of lines that needed saying. And, uh, and Katie Manning, I think, recommended him for the part because she knew him. Okay. Yeah. He's given up Sooty, hasn't he? He's retired. He has, he, or Sooty gave... I don't know have the you, details. Have you, did you? I don't know. He was... Uh, somebody, uh, he actually, somebody gave him his number to do the podcast, and it was one that fell out by the wayside because of various... Cause, yes, but he, yes, but he, I don't know the details of whether... He's about 70 now, split, which makes yes. me really... Because I remember when he took over from... Uh, he's the new Harry, guy. Harry Corbett. Because yeah. there was Harry, Harry H. Corbett and Harry Corbett, is that right? That's right. His dad was Harry Corbett, D- who was really old. Yeah. And now Matthew Corbett's really old. Yeah. So how does that work? Uh, but I'm still the same age. What? what? So I, I discovered that then these, these, these four words will chill your heart. Yeah. I found out the other day, it might be more than four words, one of the bangles is 62. Mm. <laughs> still would. So, um, <laughs> I'd make a walk like an Egyptian. I hope I've got the, I hope I've got the, I hope I've got the right band. Um, I've got one last one for you. See if you can get this. This is a hard one. Richard Herring. What episode of Doctor Who was Richard uh, well, Herring? You were in the Colin Baker podcast. <laughs> uh, your good friend, Colin Baker. Yeah, my very yeah. good friend. Unfortunately, I fell out with Colin Baker. I, can't, I, was, I played a space plumber who had my head crushed by a Cyberman. Yeah. He was in audio. That's quite a hard thing to act. I really thought about it and what I decided to go with. Because then my head, you know, because it's going to hurt and then your head crunches. So I went to someone like, ah! So I did. Oh, it's very uh, good. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Stuart didn't get, Stuart got turned into a Cyberman. Not fair. <laughs> a Cyberman came to the recording as well. Was that, we had an actual, so he was really friendly. I don't know why they've, I don't know why Doctor Who's <laughs> happened to go at him. Yeah, I upset Colin Baker. I can't quite remember what I wrote, but I wrote a Metro article where I think I described him as the second worst Doctor Who. Yeah, that's not going to go down well, is it? Because it's the Doctor, not Doctor Who, right? That's the, that's the second <laughs> well, now, let's not get into that. Um. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, <laughs> but you turned all that. We'll leave Doctor Who behind in, uh, in about 30 minutes when this <laughs> interview ends. Feel like Al Pacino with fucking Doctor Who? Do you know, <laughs> you you do one show about Doctor Who every time. Well, t- let's quickly talk about you because you did an amazing show, which then went on to be a radio uh, series as well, didn't it? Which yeah. Was, which I saw you do the the second time you did it in uh, Edinburgh. We we stood. We were both at the underbelly, and I think the first year you were there, we were on at the same time, so I didn't yeah. see your show and you didn't see my show, uh, but we'd always meet up in the courtyard afterwards, and we. Yes. And, and <laughs> it was very nice. I mean, there was this little sort of high-walled courtyard at the back of the underbelly, wasn't there? We just sat yeah. and drank wine. Just drank red night. wine. That's pretty much all I did there. Me- there. Meaning to go and see other shows <laughs> yeah. later, and it just... just <laughs> and then we didn't. Then we didn't. But then the next year I was able to see your show, which is called Moths Ate My Doctor Who Scarf. Yeah. Which uh, it was quite... It was a moving tale about... Yeah, it hadn't meant to be. I think, and I think that's why it did okay because it got it got. I mean, sad endings weren't doing. They happen all the time now. Everyone's dad dies at the end of a show. Um, yeah. My dad didn't die. I killed him in a later show. Um, <laughs> I, I kept him in the bank. Um, uh, but I, it was just. I, I did a show about. It was supposed to be a sort of party political broadcast for Doc Two. Nobody talked about Doc Two on stage. But I had a, my friend Mark who directed the show when we did a preview to a, a baffled group of. I went back to Ludlow, where I'm from, right. and did a preview to. Lots of people who knew my mum. Uh, I went. Oh, I used to teach him at school. He was a nice boy. And I was <laughs> effing and blinding about Doctor Who, and um, I had this great idea of doing it in four episodes. But the episodes weren't chronological, and they went backward and forward. And it was a brilliant idea, unless you want anybody to give a shit or laugh. Uh, and, and Mark, my Mark, just went take out all the jokes that are about Doctor Who that don't don't um, don't actually reflect on your life. Um, and so it came to about my dad leaving and Doctor Who filling a gap and then me having kids and me sort of bonding with my son over Doctor Who. And, and that hadn't been the intention to give it, but it, that, was, that was the bit that people liked the most, so I stuck it at the end. And, um, and, and as a result of that, what I think a lot of people thought was going to be a geeky show was actually something that, that even if they didn't know anything about Doctor Who, yeah, so that they thought was, uh, you know, they enjoyed. It was so a show, then it went on to be on the radio and then you had like, some of the Doctor Who... I, I, I had Colin Baker Colin was in Baker, it, actually, it? yeah. He was spitting feathers. He was really angry <laughs> with somebody. I can't remember. He said, I fucking hate comedians. Um, uh, yeah, Colin, Colin Baker was in it. It went on the radio and it went to the West End. And, uh, and, and, um, uh, is, is, uh, and I'd, so I'd been a jobbing comic for, t- what, 10, yeah. 10 years and resisted talking about Doctor Who because I thought, well, nobody's interested in me talking about Doctor Who. And then suddenly the, I, people wanted to employ me so <laughs> fine and, 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 I, and I went around the world. my mum used to say to me my mum used to say you'll never get anywhere if you sit in your ass watching Doctor Who all day and my show toured the world <laughs> and I sent her a postcard from every single bit <laughs> dear mum you know you said I'd never get anywhere if I sat on my ass watching Doctor Who all day I'm in Toronto um, <laughs> 
Oh, is it, any plans to do it? I suppose it's been recorded. We can listen to it, can we? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a CD of that one. And <laughs> yeah. I, we, I actually did, did it at um, the Garrick Theatre on Doctor Who's 50th anniversary. And we recorded it for DVD. And uh, my friend is editing it. Um, still. That's quite a long time ago. It is, yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, it wasn't. it's not a very current affairs show. Unfortunately, yeah. in that five, five years, DVDs have failed to yeah, be well, a marketable yeah, yeah. format. Yeah. But like, you can put it out. Stick it, it on YouTube. It. Download yeah. it, download it. Uh, let's talk about um, th- your stand-up, and uh, particularly, uh, you... You started up the Malarkey Club, is that right? Is that, it's a, it's, it's your... another thing that I've done by accident yes. that's still happening. Uh, it's yeah, a comedy so club called Excess Malarkey that runs We're, every Tuesday. Do we know the Excess Malarkey people? <laughs> Fucking hope so. 21 years. Yeah. <laughs> 21 years last week. And um, I was my brother-in-law played in a band in a pub on a Sunday night and the manager said, I want to do comedy. And he went, my brother-in-law's a comedian. I'd been going for about... I'd been, I'd been doing it for about 18 months on and off. Uh, and I went to see him and he said, well, we'll do it for the eight weeks between now and Christmas, see how it goes. Uh, I didn't have a clue what I was doing, um, but I'd got comedians' numbers um, who I'd met at gigs and I rang them. And um, it, was, it started off as free, then it went up to 50p. <laughs> uh, I put a one night in the first year, we had Peter Kay, Kevin Gildy, and Dom Carroll on for a pound. Uh, uh, and, and, that, and then loads of people came, because Peter Kay was already quite famous, who'd never come to the gig before, and obviously had no intention of coming to the gig again, so I started a membership thing. But yeah. these were all, so it was all just, I just wanted people to come back next week. And, and 21 years later, they still are. Yeah. So it's quite a career trajectory to have been in the same place every <laughs> Tuesday for 21 years. You know, there are people who weren't born when my career was at the place <laughs> it's still at now. Yeah. You know, well, people have voted for the first time. They've <laughs> yeah. lost their virginity. They've moved from a city. They've lost their parents. And I've still been there every <laughs> Tuesday. My own son was born on a Tuesday night. Uh, when I was on stage, that I got a phone call going, well, the phone went at the door, and I went, that sounds like my phone. My phone, I hope that's not my partner having a baby. It's your partner having a baby. <laughs> so two of the audience took me to the hospital, and uh, he, he came to the gig last week because he's old enough to now. Yeah. So, and I'm still there. <laughs> well, I first went to the Edinburgh Fringe in 1987. So now nearly everyone who performs the Edinburgh Fringe wasn't born <laughs> at the time. When I go back up, I think, oh, my God. Uh, when occasionally I go back up. I've only been once in the last four years, and that's, that's it's, it's over. It's over. <laughs> Every time I try to get out, they, and <laughs> they keep bringing me back in. And you won the, was it the first Les Dawson Award? Was well, this? now, here's a what, thing. Tell me about this. The Les Dawson, they, st- they did a thing for about three years. They did the Northwest Comedy Awards. They got a bit of sponsorship. And it was to try and, and I think because... Loads of comics started in Manchester who the television companies didn't get their hands on, like Peter Kay and, 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 and when I started it was Dave Gorman and Chris Addison and um, Johnny Vegas and all sorts of people sort of learnt their craft, earned their wings on the circuit here. Uh, so I think they thought, well, it's a good thing to get attention to the noise. And so they, 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 oh, it was the, the early days of the internet and they did a poll and they said, they, they asked for nominations for services to Northwest comedy. And because... The internet was relatively new. Comedy forums became a new thing. And uh, there was a Manchester comedy forum. And Excess was very popular with burgeoning comedians because it gave comedians an early break. And comics liked it. And comics got in for free. And it was the place that all the comics would go to watch comedy and then get drunk afterwards. So loads of people nominated me. So the shortlist was Peter Kay, Victoria Wood, Steve Coogan, 
Johnny Vegas, Dave Spike, all Ken Dodd, all really famous, Carolina Hearn. Um, I mean, and they were all still alive then. I didn't kill them in order to get. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then me, and then they foolishly put it open to a public vote. But of course, the internet was in its infancy, and only really sort of very internety forumy people. So, so of course, I got loads of votes because it was all. And, and they'd occasionally do a press release going. The surprise leader is currently little-known comedian Toby Haydock, but there's only two weeks left to vote for your favourite. Could it be Ken Dodd, Carolina Hearn, Peter Kay? And of course, no, and it was all the local papers doing that. And of course, no. And so I won, and it was never open to the public vote ever again. Still counts. It still yes. Well, it I still, still did win it, but I just wasn't intended to. Right. Let's ask you an emergency question from Emergency Questions. There's one emergency question. Available in the foyer after the show. Also, if you're at home, you know, you can buy it on uh, gofaststrike.com or Amazon. I'm, I'm obsessed. You've had books out, right? Y- yes, yes, about, about Doctor Who. Yeah. Maybe. We'll, we won't talk about those. Uh, no, there's a book. You watched all of Doctor Who, didn't you? So I watched all of three, Doctor Who in chronological order, two episodes a day, three episodes at weekends. Yeah. Uh, two on my wedding. That's the one that ended in divorce. <laughs> Still don't know why. <laughs> But were you obsessed? Um, were you obsessed with look, checking your Amazon ranking every two hours? N- no. Oh, you got it. Just me then. So um, the internet to, isn't I've, a place to find happiness, Richard. I got up to uh, two hundred and sixty-two in books. I got to the. I've been. I've been trying to beat. There's a chart called books, reference, trivia, fun facts, and <laughs> trivia. And I was about eight in that chart, and I was four places behind a man called Hugh Jasburn who'd written a book called 52 Things to Do on the Toilet. <laughs> Something like that. What? So it was actually looks like quite a good book I... about learning stuff on the loo. And I was obsessed with overtaking him, and it took me a long time, but I did it. I had to do a thing on Amazon. Recently, I went to check if my CD was still in print and still on Amazon, because uh, you could still get copies. And I noticed its star rating had gone down to three from five. It was only about seven votes. Uh, uh, and so, you know, one poor score can really knock it down. And somebody had given it one star... Uh, and they said, I'm sure, I'm sure the show's good, I haven't heard it, but the format that it is on and the compressed audio is not conducive to a happy listening experience, so I wouldn't buy it anyway. <laughs> so, so you go, hang on, so you're reviewing... It's like you giving this a bad review because you don't like the fucking carpet. You know, and, and, yeah. and, and, and so I'm, but I, I, am, I am hung by that, sadly. Yeah, that's it. So you can't get too obsessed with things like this. Calm down. <laughs> yeah, I know where he lives. I've seen one. I've seen people complaining that the package didn't arrive on time, or you know, didn't yeah. arrive. So therefore, three stars. Yes, seems a bit yeah. unfair. Yes, would have been good if it had arrived on Monday. <laughs> Two stars. Um, okay, have, oh, this is a good question for you because I know this is quite within your uh, bailiwick, but it's science fiction-ish. Have you planned out what you would do in the event of a zombie apocalypse? Well, I mean, frequently. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what you know, the thing is, well, do, you know, it's the, it's the big dilemma, isn't it? Do you, do you, do you, because I was quite a big fan of survivors and I do quite often, when I'm walking in the countryside, I imagine, would this be a place to hole out? Uh, you know, what are the, what are the levels of, what are the possibilities of entry? Because do you, do you trust that, you know, we would maintain civilization or would it be every person? 
for themselves. So would you sort of be part of a community or would you find somewhere out in the middle of nowhere? But you'd have to put mines down because you can't be awake all the time if you're on your own. <laughs> yes. um, uh, and obviously I'd stockpile tins and things like that, but I'd have to be largely self-sufficient. So I'd need a bit of land because if you have land, you draw attention to yourself because the land would be maintained and verdant and all of those sorts of things. So I'd need a stockpile of weapons as well. Uh, but they'd have to be ones that I'd be able to practice using without making a noise because obviously then... they'd so, so actually having a machine gun's no good because people could hear you from all around. They'd know you're tooled up and they'd send their people. So you'd have to be good at a bow. And a, yeah, I've thought about it quite yeah, a lot. That's a, yes, it was fine. Do you remember... Uh, I'm sure you remember Day of the Triff is the, uh, the, I mean, the book, but also the wonderful... Uh, 1980s version yeah, with the BBC, John Dottine and Emma Ralph, yeah. Which, what, would you prefer to live in a nice family with people you liked or in, with, in one of those places where they kind of had sex slaves and harems? Well, no, yeah, because they kidnapped them, don't they? They kidnapped yeah. a sighted person and, and, and handcuffed them yeah. to loads of blind people in order that they do their bit. I like it, yeah, it's sort of, Im- it's, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a sort of lesson for today's politics, that it's it sort is. of imposing niceness. You know, it's saying, <laughs> you will be nice, you'll be, you'll be so nice, we'll have to handcuff you to people in order to make you do it. Yes. Yeah, no I'd, no, I'd go and hide and live on my own somewhere. Yeah, they all, di- they all died of dysentery, it's just it was sad. Spoilers? No. I, now, I did get into trouble for that, talking spoilers. Right. This is a, I, I wrote the obituary for Gareth Thomas, who yes. played Blake in Blake 7. Uh, yes. And as part of his obituary, I described what happened in the last episode of Blake 7. And somebody seriously went on my Facebook page and said, well, that's ruined Blake 7 for me. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> and you spoiled the ending. It was all, it was all in 1981. <laughs> yeah. How was, round is the embargo? the last episode. <laughs> For a special occasion. Yeah. Gareth Thomas, who died today. Look away now! <laughs> who died in reality like he did. End of, um, okay. Uh, uh, what, this, this might have something for this as being a comedian, and, and you've toured a lot, haven't you? Um, Great what's the scariest thing that's ever happened to you in a B&B? Did you stay in B and Bs, or did you did you stay in? You might be of a generation that was beyond. No, in we B&Bs. didn't. It's it's mostly. I mean, one of the reasons I've sort of st- sort of withdrawn from being on the road as much is because I've probably been in every travel lodge imaginable. I once, and I, 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 I knew my life had taken a turn when the lady at a particular travel lodge knew my name and what I drank. And there's a thing of going into a travel lodge at midnight and a glass of lukewarm medium white wine is, uh, is there waiting for you with yeah. your name on it. And it's, you go, Al- it's very I've, Alan Partners. I've been it? here too fucking often. Yeah. Uh, but although I, it did mean that I was bold when she once sent me up to my usual room. <laughs> and uh, there was a wine glass there that had a condom in it. And, uh, and, and obviously the, I, I sort of went down and said, could, could I perhaps have a room that hasn't got a wine glass with a condom in it? Uh, because that opens up all sorts of questions that I didn't want to... Uh, and a friend of mine said, was it used? It was, I didn't look that fucking closely. <laughs> it was enough. Wine glass and condom was well, enough was to make opened? me back out of the situation. I once went... I, was, I stayed in a hotel in, uh, in Florida where there was a, a used condom on the bed as I checked into the room. That's quite bad, isn't it? Yeah, that's it's pretty bad. bad. And there was, yeah. I was staying in Travel Lodge where there was a bogey on the shower curtain. <laughs> I talked to Chris Addison the other week, uh, just socially. Sometimes I see comedians and don't record it. Uh, and uh, it's a waste, though. What a waste. The lost episodes. Uh, <laughs> 
he said he stayed. He went to the same on the way back from gigs. He went to the same service station and had a kind of late, or very late breakfast or very early breakfast. And they they knew him and would give him his usual. And he, at that point, he thought, "This is yeah." It's too, when yeah. the when the service station knows your regular order, yeah. Because <laughs> like service station, I've worked in service stations. And you don't last long as a staff member. In a <laughs> it's a very hard job. It's a very hard job to stay in. And, you know, you have to be forced to stay in, I think. So, yeah, poor old uh, Chris Adson. Good. Um, do you remember the TV show Murphy's Mob? I do. Can you recount everything that you remember about it? Uh, yeah. Uh, the theme tune was sang by Gary Holton, who yep. played Wayne in Alf Weider's Own Pet. Yes. One of the stars was the actor Keith Jane, who also played Stig of the Dump in the children's Correct. movie Stig of the Dump. He was also in the Doctor Who story, The Awakening, both episodes of it. Um, and their manager was played by a marvellous character actor called Milton Johns, uh, who, who specialised right. in sort of Uria Hype. Uriah, Uriah what episodes of character. Uh, Doctor Who was he? Uh, he was in Enemy of the World, uh, uh, all six episodes. Yeah. Uh, he's in uh, uh, all six episodes of The Invasion of Time and all four episodes of The Android Invasion, although those listening, I do know The Android Invasion comes before The Invasion of Time. I just didn't do it in chronological order because I'm a maverick. Uh, uh, so those are the three that he's in. I, yeah. and, and I interviewed him at the Garrick Theatre um, for my podcast, and he turned up in a three-piece suit with a pocket square, oh, lo- even though him. it was audio, and I love him for that. Is he still going? He's still going, oh, and he's, he's got marvellous anecdotes. Do you remember Wurzel from... Um from Murphy's Mob. Was Come on, Wurzel was the funny character. Oh, wasn't, wasn't that Keith? Oh, maybe it was. Was that Keith James? No, I think Wurzel was played by uh, Lewis Stevens, whose real name is Stephen uh, Lewis, but he had to change it. But he had to Lewis's. change it because of Blakey from On the Buses. <laughs> yeah. And weirdly, I saw uh, the, Lewis, the Wurzel one on a bus uh, in, <laughs> in America. He did Camp America at the same time as me. And uh, I shouted, Hey, Wurzel! And then hid. He must have been annoyed because he was in New York at the time. He must have been annoyed. I <laughs> escaped it. Nice guy. Was that? Was that? that was, I thought I knew quite a lot about Murphy's Mob. Yeah. There, seeing as I never actually saw a whole episode, I don't think. But I. Everywhere you go, everything you see. I think actually they wouldn't let me. I said, "Would and can you sing the theme tune?" And they wouldn't let me put it in the book because I quoted too much of it. Oh really? Because they, well, they'd yeah. have to pay a sh- they'd have yeah, to pay a royalty. They, they would have to find whoever wrote it. It might be Gary Holton, I think, who's in, uh, no longer with us. No, yeah. Um, what, went, and pay his estate a shilling. It is spoilt by the internet because me and my friend Phil Fry. All I remember is the theme tune. It would go everywhere you go, everything you see. Someone say, you know, it's a tragedy. People uh, find another place because you can't play here. And then there was a line that me and Phil Fry, my friend at school, couldn't de- decipher that we decided was spreading all your nits about. <laughs> but it wasn't. But, you know, in those days, you could have a proper years-long conversation about a thing like this. Well, I, that's the problem with internet. I was quite used... Before the Internet Movie Database, yeah. people used to ask me the questions. <laughs> yeah. They now look up on the Internet out. Movie Database, so I have far fewer conversations or love. If you, uh, <laughs> you want to know what the lyrics were, if you don't want to know, turn off now. Go out of the room. Uh, the actual it was "Don't want any lip." So there. Oh, I think don't your version was better. Spreading all your nits about. I don't know how we're going. To... <laughs> very, very indistinct singing from Gary Holton, probably because of all the heroin he was taking. <gasps> so it was a shame. It was very sad that he died. So um, we'll leave that for the moment. Uh, so. Uh, 
<laughs> I very, well, it's, it's slightly back to Doctor Who. Yeah. But I very much enjoyed your appearance on uh, Dave Gorman's show, <laughs> <laughs> Modern Life is Goodish. Yes. Which uh, I think I've talked to Dave about this on the podcast because it, it is one of his obsessions, and the guy he's obsessed with is quite cross with him. But yes, you had to watch this guy's video about. It was extraordinary because da- Dave sent me a thing saying, "Is this is this a clip from Doctor?" I think the title sequence had some sort of picture of a castle or something. He said, "Is this from an actual episode of Doctor?" And I went, "It's very indis- no, I, no, definitely not." And then he sort of got in touch. He said, "Look, I want to do this thing, but I've already had a go at this guy." And, I'd, and, I'd, and Dave is such a sweet natured and nice man. He said, "I don't want it to look like I'm being vindictive. Whereas if I keep going, this is a load of Tommy rot. Um, it will look like it. So can you say that? <laughs> uh, so, and he basically said, look, there's this interview, there's this DVD that purports to be Doctor Who, The Lost Interviews. Um, and it's largely the interviews are lost in the same way that you throw away the wrapping paper of a sweet that you're about to eat because you don't need that bit. Um, because it would be sort of like, it would be the offcuts from the beginning of the end uh, or, and the end of an interview or a bit of an interview with somebody that's been in Doctor Who where they don't talk about being in Doctor Who. Or in some cases, as is the case with Lee Mead from uh, Holby City and Joseph in his Technicolor Dreamcoat, yeah. an interview with somebody that's never been in Doctor Who. Uh, and so he got, he got me on to sort of, show, uh, to, to, to sort of he'd say, so um, here's a bit where he introduces uh, Felicity Kendall who played Agatha Christie in Doctor Who and I had to go, uh, Felicity Kendall didn't play Agatha Christie in Doctor Who. And it was just a litany of bollocks. But I think something like 1999 for a 42-minute yeah. <laughs> DVD of just offcuts and shit. Um, and uh, so yeah, so I got I got I got to sit in sit sit sit, 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 sit in Dave's audience and, and just go bollocks bollocks <laughs> no. Uh, and that was that was fun, yeah. It's fun, you know. So your mum was wrong again. That's another job you got from Doctor Who. Yeah, exactly. It's all, yeah, it's all worked out brilliant. What do you think about all this? Um, Women being Doctor Who now. What do you think about that? <laughs> oh, they've made it all women, haven't they? It's, it's all, all, it's all, all, all women, women are Doctor they've made Who all the now. the past ones women as well. They can do that. They can travel back in time. All the women are Doctor Who now. And it's just... It's, it's, I mean, they, they put women on television now. They put... <laughs> They put brown people on. I mean, Vic Tablian. Vic Tablian's <laughs> livid because it used to just be him, and now and now it's all of them. Uh, I have mean, you seen? Have they shown you the new episode? Because you like Doctor Who so much, they've sent it to you. N- no, I think I'm. I think I think my my days might be over because there's lots of young woke lady Doctor Who fans now. Right. Uh, I used to be the sort of Doctor Who the, the, the person they'd wheel out, you know, and go, "Well, this is marvelous." But now they get people who are attractive and know They're how to talk to people. They're going to have to get a woman to be you. Yeah, well, indeed, I have regenerated <laughs> into a 22-year-old lesbian. Wow. Um, uh, uh, we, we, yeah, so, um, and, um, so no, I haven't seen it, um, and I quite like it that way. In fact, I, I, I've, I've had the opportunity to see it, and I would rather watch it with it, because I know so much about that. I'm so inured in all of the old stuff. The episodes haven't been made yet are the only things I don't know anything about. <laughs> right. um, but it, it amuses me. Uh, it's a sort of shortcut. I remember when The Bodyguard was on recently, there was a few critics go, God, there were three police people who were women and the bomb disposal expert was Chinese. Oh, and it's political correctness gone mad. And you go, and you go, excellent. I wasn't sure if you're a cunt and now I know. Um, and, and, the, and there probably aren't millions of Chinese bomb disposal experts. I don't really know. They're, they're I don't probably give are a, in China, I don't give a f- Well, indeed. Uh, it's just an extraordinary thing to get cross about. Now, yeah. with the Doctor Who thing, I, I do come from a slight, slightly different angle, is that um, 
Do- Doctor Who being away, it's very interesting that quite a few people, when it, when it was announced, go, well, it would have been a disgrace if it had been another white man. And you go, well, no, it wouldn't have been a disgrace because that's what the character's always been. And you sort of go, um, and so what is it, which lines in the series do you think uh, lend itself to the fact that the Doctor could change into a woman? And they go, well, no, I don't watch it. You go, oh, right, so <laughs> you're so pleased that this programme you don't watch has done a thing that you think it should do based on no knowledge whatsoever of the programme. As it happens, I've watched every episode of Doc 2 millions of times, and I'm fine with it. Um, and, and, I'm, and, and it's difficult when you say that, because people go, oh, I'm glad we've got your permission. No, I'm not <laughs> saying that either. Fuck off, Twitter. Um, this, is, this is why people are going to stop talking in the end and just go like this. Um, <laughs> And she's, I think she's a cracking uh, actor as well. And, um, uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but, but it does amuse me also how people, you, you see sort of people you hitherto didn't know go, yes, this is what I've been waiting for all my life. And you go, but you didn't watch Doctor Who until about three months ago. Um, but no, I th- and, 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 the, and I don't, and I know there are a lot of, I, I know a lot of Doctor Who fans and there's a certain spectrum which we all inhabit to a certain end of it. Yeah. Probably most, we all swim in a similar end of the gene pool, put it like this. Yeah. Uh, and if you're a 50-year-old man that's got a certain image of what Doctor Who is like and it's been like that for your entire life and you can't quite cope with it, it's no good. I, I find it a bit mean that people who are sort of a bit right on then go, oh, and you're a dinosaur who deserves to die. No, it's somebody who's a bit on the spectrum, who's struggling to cope with something. That they, Why don't you give them the same sort of understanding that Doctor Who would, actually? Um, but uh, that's, that's only as a side issue because of the narrative um, has become, quite rightly, that, you know, it's, of, course, of course it doesn't matter so long as the, the character of the Doctor yeah. is a benign traveller who uses intellect and fun. Like- the thing I think about it is that most Doctor Who fans have never even seen a woman. So that's right. In fact... They'll just assume it's some kind of weird alien from I, another planet that's, kind of, that's... I didn't know what a woman was. <laughs> uh, it had to be explained to me. When they said Jodie Whittaker is playing the new Doctor Who, I said, Jodie isn't a man's name. And they said, no, there's a, there are things that aren't men. And I, it was... See, so Doctor Who's very educational. Um, because, uh, yeah, I'd never seen one. Yeah. I don't mind there being a woman Doctor Who. What I do mind is Bradley Walsh being in Doctor Who. <laughs> That is that is ruined. That is ruined, Doctor Who. No. He'll just be asking questions, <laughs> laughing at Fanny Schmeller. Someone will say Fanny Schmeller. He's he's actually a very he, he played a bad, he did, played a baddie in the Sarah Jane Adventures. He was really really good. I, I, no, I, I know you were joshing, <laughs> but I'm a Doctor Who fan. So what you have to because this is my life. I do a joke about Doctor Who, and somebody will come out and point out how it is factually incorrect, even though that was the joke. Most of the responses to anything I put on Twitter begin with the words, "I think you'll find." <laughs> We do. We love Doctor Who fans uh, here, and most of them are fans of this as well. Let's say, who likes Doctor Who? Cheer now! Yeah. Uh, you fucking idiots! <laughs> a lot of... No offence, Toby. No, I, know it's come in this... I know you like it and all that, I... but fuck it. Come what? on! Can't wait to talk to Glenn Wool, who's actually had sex with probably at least two women. <laughs> least. Have you taken drugs? Have you ever taken any drugs? Yeah. Oh, fine. Yeah. Should have gone to that. I've been talking about Doctor Who all this time. Because <laughs> I, I love it. And we'll, look, we'll quickly talk about it. We're going to have to wrap up. It's, got, it's gone so fast. Um, and thank you so much for, for doing this, uh, Toby. It's really fantastic. No, it's um, great. I, I thought it'd be nice to come and chat and establish that there's more about me than Doctor Who. So <laughs> yeah. it's been... We're gonna, we've got... We've literally got... Uh, 
<laughs> you've got two minutes to do that. Uh, you've got a couple of radio plays coming. I mean, I didn't, I didn't realise. I knew you did lots of acting, and um, I've seen you in, in, in the theatre. And I knew you did a bit of writing, but I didn't know you were you, you'd becoming quite a prolific writer. You've got a couple of plays on the radio coming out. Uh, yeah, I've had a few plays on the radio, um, and, and I've got two coming up. Uh, depending on the, 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 they'll probably be on iPlayer by the time this goes out. The, what, as we speak, the next one is on on Sunday, and it's about Spike Milligan. Uh, and it stars Mark Heap as Spike Milligan. Oh, and it's great. about Spike Milligan on the gates of heaven. And Spike Milligan didn't believe in heaven. Uh, and uh, and it's, it's to mark the centena of Spike Milligan. I've written one. A playwright called Lee Mattinson's written one. And Jessica Hines off of Spaced and W1A. And the Doctor Who story, Human Nature, Family of Blood. <laughs> uh, uh, and, uh, and she's written one. And we performed it in Hull last week. And... Um, uh, I, I was asked to because I said to me, yeah, we, we, we want we want. I said, is it because I'm I'm a comedian and I could write lots of funny things about Spike Milligan? And they said, yes, but also could you do the one that's about him being sad and having mental illness? Said, Thanks very much. <laughs> uh, I just thank God he didn't like Doctor Who as well. Um, uh, so so that's 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 what, that's called. I told you I was ill. Going going goon, and that's on Radio Three. Brilliant. Mine's called Going Going Goon. Um, and and then at the end of the month, I've got a a, a, a horror story. Uh, called The Road, which is based on a lost play by Nigel Neal, who wrote Quatermass. And it's got Mark Gatiss and Adrian Scarborough and oh, uh, Ralph Ineson and Francis McGee, a fantastic cast. Uh, that's based on a lost television play that uh, was on in 1963 and there's no copy of. And um, it's like a sort of lost holy grail of, of, of horror and sci-fi writing. And I, I pitched it a few years ago and got nowhere. And then, and then I pitched it again because I was doing a pitch document that had four ideas on it and there was a gap at the bottom. And I'm one of those people and I didn't like it so I just cut and pasted my original pitch because it fitted perfectly and uh, I changed the font so it was all matching and uh, I thought oh good that looks nice now and I sent that in and that was the one that they got made <laughs> Great. so um, and that's um, yeah I'm really pleased it's, it's spooky and that's on, on at the end of the month on the 27th of October I think the great not yet written Spike Milligan play I might have pitched this before. Stuart Lee, when he worked for the Sunday Times, went to interview Spike Milligan just before he died. And um, Spike Milligan never came out of his bedroom. Stu just sat in his, in his lounge and Spike Milligan was having one of his episodes and wouldn't come down. <gasps> and I think that would be a great play called Waiting for Spike. Waiting for Spike, yeah. I, I Stuart wish... Lee and Spike Milligan never quite meeting. I wish I'd known that. I yeah. sweated blood over this bloody thing. <laughs> I did. It was the hardest thing I've ever written. I wanted to kill everyone, including Spike, and he's dead. <laughs> right, before you go, I'll just ask you one question. Um, do you think, in the past now, because obviously things have changed, that Doctor Who ever tried to suck his own cock? <laughs> well, <laughs> is there I mean, now he that? could give himself tips, couldn't he? <laughs> he, could, he, can, he can sort of, Now, from, from this Sunday, he'll be able to... If, if ever they do the 13 Doctors, it's <laughs> yeah. like, this is how you should have been doing it. Um, uh, well, I, I shouldn't... Yeah, well, he I, could, I, he could, when they do the, the mash-up episodes, he could just suck himself off, very easy. He? Just yeah. get down. Doesn't even Doesn't have, have to bend. bend. <laughs> no, just... It was, but they could, they could, in fact, they could do each other. Uh, yeah. they could, I mean, there could be a circle of, be a of... Human centipede. Yeah, if, you, human, if, you yeah. had, if you had to put three Doctors in a human centipede, <laughs> which three would you put in? Um, well, I'd, I'd have to be. In, I'd, I'd have to be. In, I'd, I'd have to put. Um, um, oh, uh, <laughs> I haven't thought. I, well, I'd. Um, I'd, I'd Colin Baker would definitely be at the end of mine. <laughs> my... 
I'd put, now he's definitely not going to talk to me. I put Peter Cushing in the middle of William Hartnell and Patrick Troughton just oh, to wow. throw everybody and to really annoy any fans that would go go for a perv would go, but he's not canon, <laughs> uh, and it would and it would put them off their 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 satisfaction. Well, I think we've learned today there is more to you than Doctor <laughs> Who. I don't know quite what it is, but there must must be, mustn't it? Ladies and gentlemen, Toby Haddock. 